Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, wherever it is and whatever time it is when you are hearing this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are here again today to um, read through the Word of God and to comment on the things that we're reading according to what the Lord might speak to me today. I hope you are reading through the Scriptures with me, and today I'm reading in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6 through 8. And that's my reading for today. So I'm going to be making some comments from there. And I'm telling you, this is so rich, so very rich, Second Chronicles 6 through 8. So it's, it's full of so much, and I'm hoping this won't take me too long. So I will try to cover the highlights without keeping you uh, here all day. But it, I've been in it for several hours now. It's just so rich. It's beautiful. Um, in Second Chronicles chapter 6, we see that in uh, chapter uh, five, Solomon has built the temple, and now we see at the end of chapter five, there was a glory of the Lord that filled it. I want to read verses one and two of chapter six to begin with. Then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built him, built you, excuse me, an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. He's speaking to the Lord in that prayer, um, short prayer. And I found it interesting. There's a whole lot more I could speak on about this dark cloud where the Lord dwelt. But that'll, I'll save that for another time. But I just wanted to point out that that's the same cloud. It's the cloud of the glory that Moses was caught up into on Mount Sinai. And it's the same cloud of the presence of God that chapter 5 ended with, speaking about how the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And when the glory of the Lord, the, the glory speaks of the abode, the, uh, the kabod of God. It speaks uh, of the kabod, that glorious presence, that heavy and weighty presence of God. And it was a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. Welcome as you join in. And so um, today we're reading in Second Chronicles 6 through 8. And like I said, it's just so very rich about this dedication. Chapter 6 is the dedication of the temple. And there's so many meaty points in this. But I also want to read a few verses as we go along here. Um, I wanted to read uh, verses 5 through 6 where he's saying... No, it's four. I'm sorry, four through six. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David. And then he goes on and he talks about how he said that, you know, since the day I brought you out of the land of Egypt, I've chosen no city from any tribe or in Israel in which to build my house, that my name might be there, nor did I choose any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. Yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. And so I found a few things here in this short passage. First of all, God has the full ability and power, and he does, in fact, deliver on his word. He accomplishes, he fulfills every word that he has spoken. He will bring it to pass. And time is not a factor. Distance is not a factor. It does not matter. You know, I, I think back to the scripture in Genesis 3.15. The promise was given right then that a Messiah would come and he would be the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. And we know that that was Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua, our Savior. And we know that that was 
done at the cross when he gave himself. And he was the seed of the woman because he had no earthly father. It was just the Virgin Mary that was his mother. And and God was his father. The Spirit of God um, empowered her and, and came over and overshadowed her. And so it just reminded me, time is not a factor. That was 4,000 years before Jesus came on the scene. Distance is not a factor. You know, that was done in the Garden of Eden. And then many years later, then he comes to people in Nazareth. And he, he calls Mary from Nazareth, Mary and Joseph. So it's just beautiful. God can be trusted. And also I thought in that chapter, he clearly says there, yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. And then he says, I've chosen David to be over my people Israel. And, you know, beloved, Jerusalem belongs to the Lord. It's his city. It's God's city. It will always be God's city. His name is there. Hallelujah. And then David is to be the king over that. Now, what that says to me is Jesus will be king. He is going to rule in Jerusalem for a thousand years after he returns to this earth. And he is the son of David. He's the promised one that would sit on the throne of his father, David, for um, millennia, for loads and loads of years. And I just praise God for that. Now, um, also, continuing on, um, I wanted to point out a few other things from this chapter. In uh, verse 12, we see that Solomon made the stage for him to stand on. The reason for that was not to uh, exalt him. The reason was so he had a large <laughs> assembly of people. And so it was a way perhaps to help his voice project. They didn't have, you know, uh, amplifiers and microphones and all of that. So this would allow him to be heard by all the people. And I want you to notice how he starts out at first and it says he stands. And then by the time he starts his address, he kneels in honor of the Lord. I also wanted to point out in verse 12 and 13, the lifting of the hands, um, how it was a representative um, reaction from us and gesture from us, both in worship and in prayer. And there's several other places, Nehemiah 8, 6, Psalm 141, verse 2, and 1 Timothy 2, 8, that speak about lifting our hands before the Lord. Hallelujah. God in verse 14 uh, it reminded me of Deuteronomy 7, 9, where God is a faithful God. He keeps covenant and mercy for us. Hallelujah. And then beginning in verse 18 through the rest, most of the rest of this chapter um, is Solomon's prayer of dedication. And I'm not going to read all of that, but I do want to point out a few things to you. You will see, first of all, it's, he started with worship and honor to God. And then as he gets into his request, I want you to see he covered everything. He covered every potential circumstance or crisis or um, covering that would need to be lifted up in prayer that would be specific requests. And I want you to notice a few things about that. First of all, every time he did it, you'll read eight times in this chapter alone where God or where Solomon asked God to hear from heaven. And then after that, he asked him to act according to whatever the specific request was. For instance, he asked that his eyes would be open to this place, God's eyes. He asked that he would um, hear from heaven and forgive, hear from heaven and judge righteously when there were disputes. 
here from heaven and rescue the enemies after he forgives their sin. He asked them to send forgiveness and rain when it was a time of drought and famine. He asked that whatever plague, sickness, or need, that God would forgive and God would meet those needs. He asked for forgiveness even for foreigners and blessings on the church and foreigners. I love that. I do want to read that. In verse 32, I believe this is one of the places in the Old Testament where the church The church of the living God made up of both Jew and Gentiles, which is us, those who aren't of Jewish blood. It's spoken of right here. He says in this verse, this is part of his prayer. Verse 32, moreover, concerning a foreigner who's not of your people, Israel, that's us, beloved, that's us, that's the church, but has come from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come, and pray in this temple. Now at that time, that was where they were supposed to come. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. That's a beautiful place. I find the church. These are the foreigners that love Jesus, that have come and called upon his name. That's just a beautiful picture to me where I see that. And so Solomon covers that too. Then he goes in and he says, God, when they have to go to battle, fight for them and bring the victory. He says, when they have sin that even sends them all the way, it's so bad, it sends them into captivity. God, bring them out, deliver them. I mean, he's listing all these specific requests and and he goes on and he, he asked the Lord eight different times to hear from heaven and to do these various things. And then he invites God to dwell permanently there. Beloved, I love that because every morning when we get up, we can invite God to be welcome and to permanently dwell in us, in our homes, in our families, in our daily lives. That's what he, he is Emmanuel. He was called Emmanuel, the God who wants to live life with us. He wants to be with us. And so here you see, him calling out to God in verse 41 and inviting him. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, to your resting place. Same same exact invitation that Moses recorded in Numbers chapter 10, verse 35. And I, lo- I love that because I see that invitation then from for the Lord to come. So now in chapter 7, I want to read a few things as we draw down to a close here. But chapter 7 is when God answers. God answers Solomon's prayers. First of all, in verse 1, we see the fire fall from heaven. God has accepted Solomon's sacrifice. God has accepted his prayer, and he did the same thing as he did with Moses and Elijah. God himself um, lit the fire for the sacrifice from fire falling from heaven. Hallelujah. And then in verse 1 through 3, you see how when that kabod fell, that glory that filled that house, there was, uh, there was only one response that was proper, and that was to fall in worship and praise the Lord. It was a beautiful thing. This temple and the temple mount were dedicated to God at this time and were never ever to be sold, according to Leviticus 27. 
This was during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. As a matter of fact, the dedication seems to have happened on the day of the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, perhaps. And it lasted for those seven days, plus Solomon had another seven days of um, dedication of the altar as well. So that's when this time period was happening. Now, I really want to focus in and leave us with this um, from verse 12 through 16, I believe it is. Now, you know one of these verses, and you can quote, quote one of the verses in this part, but I want you to see a few other things from this. The Lord is answering Solomon, and in verse 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. And that's the same thing as a plague. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, what? Notice this, hear from heaven. Eight times Solomon asked that specific request. And so now he says, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. How beautiful is that? Not only does God say his eyes will be there, not only does he say his name will be there, but he also says his heart will be there. He cares about you. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, beloved, take this word and realize that his ears are attentive to prayers that you pray. Hallelujah. His eyes are open to you always. He says in another place, his eyes are always on the righteous. Your name is, is bared in you. He, we are called Christians, meaning we're little Christ, basically. We're named after Jesus. His name is in us. His eyes and his heart are upon us always, always. That is beautiful, and I want to leave you with that encouragement and that understanding. Beloved, I hope that you are making him a tabernacle in your own heart, in your own life, that you are welcoming him in. And if you will do that, and you will pray and seek his face and turn from your wicked ways and humble yourself in worship before him, then he's going to hear from heaven and answer your requests and heal and bless you. And I just pray he will do that even beginning this day for the rest of your life. In Jesus' name, may God bless you today. And I hope you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you.